Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I am with Shotzi Throckmorton, who is the proprietor and GM of Relic Wine Cellars. She is also the business manager of Barron's Family Winery, both in the famous Napa Valley. Shotzi, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you for having me. We are actually in your home in my favorite town of St. Helena. I don't even know how you have time to sit down with me because <laughs> you are one busy woman holding down a variety of jobs. How is it possible that you can carve out a few minutes? Oh, goodness. Well, I don't have kids. <laughs> so okay. I have, you know, two jobs and a cat and that's it. Yeah, you know, it's better to be busy than bored and it keeps me out of trouble. Okay. Well, before we dive into your career, let's talk about your first name. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't know one person that has your name. So what's the story? I was born in Heidelberg, Germany. Yes. And Schatzi means treasure in (gasps) German. And you are a treasure. At least according to my parents. (laughs) I think you are. You know, anyone that meets you would probably say that you are... And secondly, you're unforgettable. Oh my goodness, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now let's dive into your career. Did you, in your wildest dreams, growing up in Iowa, ever think you'd be making wine in the Napa Valley? Absolutely not. (laughs) What did you think you were going to do? Because you actually are from a family of surgeons. Absolutely. And so, yes, that was the first career path was pre-med and surgery, which quickly went out the window just for lack of interest. So then the next option in my family was to be a lawyer. So then I was pre-law for a number of years and studied history and politics at Northwestern. But I studied African history. (laughs) Which is crazy too. (laughs) Absolutely. It's one of those really fun, unmonetizable majors that your parents just absolutely love. So I studied abroad in Africa for a summer and fell in love and decided instead of going to law school that I was going to go to grad school. In Cambridge. At Cambridge, yes. So I was accepted to a master's program there. But if you've ever been to the Northwestern Library, it's this huge concrete monolith that is not the most warm and welcoming place. And although more atmospheric, the library at Cambridge is also a little dreary. And so I wanted to take a gap year and just do something outside and something different before going back to studies. And I was talking with my great uncle who was a surgeon, of course, but he was kind of a Renaissance man. He played tennis, he raced cars, he hybridized daffodils, and he was a wine connoisseur. He'd written a little book about wine and was in the Chevalier de Testavin and headed up the Iowa Wine Advisory Board at one time, which was really, I think, just a way to write off trips to go to wine regions and things. I don't know. <laughs> well, he was a smart man. He was a good guy. And so he convinced me to come to Napa and work harvest for that year. Okay. I wondered, (laughs) I wondered why wine and why Napa Valley? You came to the Napa Valley. How did you land the harvest job and where was it? 
Well, I my first job was at Folia Do. Okay. And I worked there for just one year because it didn't take me long to just feel really at home here. And the community is so incredible and amazing. And the people are wonderful. The camaraderie, nature. I'm a huge hiker. Food and wine, being from a rural community, being able to be in this amazing bucolic place, but also to be close to the city, the mountains, the coast. I just fell in love. And so I deferred another year and realized that I probably needed a different job if I was going to do that. And Barron's Family Winery, at that point Barron's and Hitchcock, hired me to be their assistant general manager at 22 years old with absolutely no experience and no business running a business. <laughs> they hired me for that job and it kind of stuck and I just never went back. And you've worked with them ever since. I've worked with them for over 22 years. <laughs> That's amazing too. <laughs> so not only did you get hooked on the wine industry immediately when you came out here and then on that first job is where you met your husband and the two of you Fell in love and started <laughs> Relic Wine Cellars. I can't believe it. It's like a fairy tale. It's pretty crazy. We often joke, but it's absolutely true, which is that we started working together at Barron's. He was the assistant winemaker and I was the assistant GM. And we basically now still do the same jobs that we did then. You know, 20 some years later, he makes wine and I run the business and it's just the same thing. We finally, we figured out how to make it work, I guess. But you you guys did take a big leap of faith to start your own wine brand. Oh no, we were just naive and silly. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's not... <laughs> I wish I could say we were forward thinking and brilliant or something, but no. With Mike's day job, you know, he was making Realm at the time and all of his clients were all Cabernet mm -hmm. producers. And so we were drinking all kinds of wine together. We're just wine lovers at heart. So right. drank wines from Burgundy and Chateauneuf de Pop and Willamette and Paso and all over the place. And we just decided that we wanted to make a few barrels of wine just to you know, make something different. And we started with three barrels of Pinot and kind of grew a little bit here and there. And yeah, it just kind of steamrolled itself, to be honest. Yeah, it just kept growing and growing. <laughs> it, it did. You probably assess things from a business standpoint to make all the well thought out decisions to make sure it was a profitable business. Oh, goodness. Um, kind of, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. I mean, Absolutely. We, we were also incredibly lucky. I mean, the first eight years that we made Relic, we made it at Barron's and Hitchcock. They were kind enough to allow us to make the wine there. I mean, we, we couldn't have gotten anywhere in this industry if it wasn't for all of the help of all of the people along the way. And then we got really lucky, I guess you could say, you know, in 08, 09, at the height of the recession, we'd saved up a little bit of money to maybe buy a new house. But we also realized it was probably the only time we could ever purchase property to build a winery. And so we looked at all the cheapest 10-acre parcels in Napa and found this little spot in Soda Canyon and bought it and built a winery. So we are still in our starter home. <laughs> okay, it's a super cute starter home. And it's in the picturesque town of St. Helena. So It's um, actually perfect for us because we also love to travel. So we don't, we end up not needing anything bigger than what we have, but that's just kind of how it turned out, you know, yeah. and, and we feel so lucky. I mean, to have had the opportunity to build a winery in Napa 
it's almost impossible if you don't come from generations of wine families. of wine families or if you don't come with a fortune from another industry i mean i think there's only a handful from my generation that have been able to do it and we just feel so lucky to be able to have done that so let's talk about relic how did you decide to call it relic so we came up with a name as you know i'm certain naming wine brands oh, is exceedingly challenging yes <laughs> It's really hard. Um, all of the great names are taken. Um, <laughs> or at least and it seems like it. It seems like it. And, you know, Chateau Herbie or Domain Throckmorton just don't really have a great ring to them. Right. So we realized we had to go outside of that and try to get creative. All of our winemaking has really been inspired by old world techniques, but then translating them into what you can do here in California with the sunshine and the climate that we have. So we use all native yeast fermentation. We still do punch downs and we do whole cluster fermentation. And a lot of that was inspired by old world techniques. And so that's where we came up with the name Relic. Okay, good story. You focus on Bordeaux and Rhone varietals mostly? We make a little bit of everything, even... Well, I saw a little Chardonnay on that website. Yep. Even folks who've known us for the entire time we've been making Relic probably don't realize all of the different things that we make. And it's just because we are true wine lovers at heart. And so it's hard for us to turn something down when we find an amazing parcel or an amazing plot or amazing varietal. So at this point, we do Sonoma Coast, Pinot, and Chardonnay. And then we do a whole host of heritage varietals from Napa that have kind of become our passion project. We really love supporting these farmers who have all of these grapes other than Cabernet. They're, it's just not as profitable as it once was to keep these vineyards. And many of them are getting pulled out. And so we're really trying to be stewards of these properties. Right now we make a Carignan from 110-year-old, 120-some-year-old vines, actually. From that same parcel, we get Valdigay, we make a field blend, we make Petite Syrah that was planted in 1939. We also do Mervedra and Syrah and Petite Syrah. We're just really trying to find these kind of unheralded varietals from the Napa Valley. But it's also Napa, and we love Cab, so we make right. Cab and Cab Franc as well. Total case production is? About 2,000 cases. So a lot of very tiny lots. I love it. I think it's the definition of a passion project. (laughs) (laughs) It might be. It might be, but that's what makes it extra special. So the question is, if somebody wants to taste your wine, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, absolutely. Come to the winery. We... We're tiny, of course, Mm -hmm. but we do have a little space in our cave where we do tastings, Um, but we can only host, you know, a handful a day Mm because we are so small, but we always love sharing our wine. That's, that's why we make it, you know, is to share it with people. So they can go to your website and make an appointment or call or, okay. So the experience takes place in your cave and how many wines do they typically It does. You know, we usually taste outside for a little while. If the weather is nice, Mm we have a lovely view of San Pablo Bay actually, which we didn't really know was there when we bought the property, honestly, because it was fogged in all summer. Right. Um, And then we taste in the cave. We usually taste about five wines. That always seems to be pretty reasonable, and they just change depending on... Time of year. Inventory, time of year, all that. Okay. You were a history major. Yes. Went into wine during this process, which is now about, well, over 20 years. Has there been some mentors along the way that you can speak to? Obviously, Bob Hitchcock was a huge mentor to me. He was the one who hired me. He's the one who taught me all of the basics of running a business. Oddly, at the same time, when I 
first became a general manager of a winery, there were very, very few women running wineries, and there still are today. There are becoming more and more, absolutely, but there were very few, and there were absolutely none my age. And so, so much for me was just trial and error and learning on the job. I wish that I had had more mentors. Now I have so many women that I am friends with and that we all share with each other. But honestly, I I wish I'd had more mentorship at the time. That would have been a huge benefit. So you were a trailblazer at the time. (laughs) There were definitely women who were before me. I just didn't have the opportunity to to know them or, or learn from them. Right. You started a wine brand. Your first vintage was 2001. We're in 2023. Would you do it again? Oh my goodness. It's funny. I I do get asked that. And I love everything about what we do and having our own winery. Building the winery was an epic challenge. And I am an optimist and always looking at glass half full. And if I wasn't that person, I'm positive we would not have gotten the winery built. And now that we have it, I'm just so grateful. Um, But if I knew when we started how hard it was going to be and what I knew now, I'm not sure that we would have done it, to be honest. Because it's such an endeavor. It's such an endeavor. The challenges. I have now become so involved with Napa County and the planning department and permitting, permitting. and all that stuff and neighbor issues. I mean, we had, we had a lot of pushback from neighbors, even though we're a tiny winery in a cave. And so it was two years of permitting, you know, two years of financing, two years of construction. And, you know, it was, it was an epic adventure. I could see why it could be challenging, but perseverance prevailed. So that's- <laughs> Absolutely what you got to hold on to top moment of your career that is a fantastic question I think that honestly some of the highlights have come from just being able to be a part of the wine industry it's amazing the people who you get to meet making wine and being a part of this I have a friend who went to Northwestern as well who did a documentary on Rwanda and having been a history major I helped her do some fundraising for the film And through that, I got to go with her on a trip to Rwanda and meet the president and the diplomatic corps and present the wine that we'd made for the film as part of that, which was just an amazing experience. I got to have dinner with The Edge from U2 um, because he was in Napa and wanted to taste wine. I think, I mean, and then beyond that, just dear, dear friends we have made over the years through wine, Um, people who we'd never have met otherwise, but people who are amazing creative minds in music or law or whatever, just the people are astounding. So what's ahead? What's ahead for Relic and your career? You know, I feel like we're always learning new things, which is one of the most amazing things about making wine, Mm -hmm. is that you only do it once a year. And so every year is different. And there's a thousand decisions that you make that go into each vintage. So it's a continual learning process. You never get bored. There's always new varietals or new cooperages or whatever, you know, so it keeps it interesting constantly. A new climate. <laughs> climate change Lots is of brain. always Snow. a thing. Every vintage is different. Right. Um, even the vintages that we say are similar for different reasons still have their own unique challenges mm-hmm. or you've changed how you're making wine in the interim and so it's always a new experience i absolutely love that about the wine industry and what's ahead i've been 
lucky enough to be elected to the board of the Napa Valley Vintners this last year. And that's a whole new challenge and a whole new experience. And I've spent a lot of time working with them and with the county on different policy things and fire mitigation and farm worker housing and things that are really important to me as far as being a good community member and giving back and helping our industry as a whole. And I'm really proud of the work that we're doing there and I really look forward to doing what I can. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Well, let's shift on to your personal life. How is it working with your husband and living with your husband and never getting away from your husband? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it has its challenges. It It is not always smooth and easy, but it is great in that we work together before we even started dating. Right. And so we've always worked together, and that actually is often just the easiest part. I know. Of you it. guys have been together though 20 years now, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a miracle, not a miracle, but you know, working and living and sleeping. I mean, you guys are together all the time and I wonder if how do you guys make time for yourselves? I would say that is something that we definitely need to be better at. Um, <laughs> we are not great at that work spills over into everything, but Part of that is that we love what we do so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's very little in our life that doesn't in some way pertain to wine, you know, really. But in addition to that, my husband is an amazing musician and chef. And so he definitely has his creative hobbies and passions that he can you know, spoil throw himself you into and spoil me with. Yes, <laughs> which is amazing. And, you know, I, as I said, love hiking and have my own things that I like to do as well. So okay. we, we find we find outlets in space. Okay, good segue to now talk more about your personal life. And that is that you live here in St. Helena, which we've talked about. How did you choose to live in St. Helena? Mike was living in Calistoga and I was living in Yonville. Both are fantastic towns. Adorable. Absolutely. Love them. But when we went to purchase a home, it was a really easy decision for St. Helena. St. Helena actually is a pretty self-contained town. We have a couple of grocery stores, our own hospital, a movie theater, multiple auto body shops, um, florists. I mean, it has everything that you need. Dari say an amazing movie theater, an amazing yes, movie theater. Yes, I love the um, cameo. So it was a pretty easy decision, you know, as somewhere that really has everything that you need, but still has this amazing wine country appeal. When you step inside your home, how do you describe it? How would you describe your decorating style? I would actually love to have somebody tell me what my decorating style <laughs> is. You I know, don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think it does have a, a little contemporary feel to it. It is definitely modern. So part of this was a COVID project, for sure. When we realized <laughs> that moving was not in our near future, kind of spearheaded a project to take our house to the bones and redo it. And I really love how it turned out. It's very, it's, it's perfect for me and for us. We're really minimalist, very modern. We have this kind of contemporary mid-century modern meets Japanese aesthetic in some ways. Um, Scandinavian, it kind of brings all of those things together. But I think in the heart of it, all those things are very California. Yeah, I think that's a good description. And you've got a lot of nice windows that kind of bring the outside in. Your walls are white, which allows the color to pop. 
Yeah, we have some really fun, interesting art that we love. And this back wall was part of the COVID project to really bring the outdoors in. And we redid the patio and everything and built my husband this lovely outdoor kitchen (laughs) with all of the tricks that he's and toys that he needs. Um, Pete's oven, multiple grills, a great fire pit. It, It really for our lifestyle and how we live, it's wonderful. When you get a chance to relax, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Or are you forced to listen to your husband's? He gets to play DJ just because it is his primary passion. So he does dictate the playlist the majority of the time. I tend to stray towards more mainstream things, but I grew up with a mother who is a music teacher and I really love all kinds of music. I mean, everything, country, pop, classical, jazz, swampy, bluesy, big band, love New Orleans, love going to jazz fest. So pretty eclectic. Do you have time for a hobby? (laughs) Do you you collect anything? No, I don't. Pretty much most of my time that is not spent working is spent either hiking or in the outdoors or at the gym. I do love crossword puzzles and word games. That's Hmm. probably my other hobby. That's, you know, my, instead of my bedtime reading, that's kind of what I do. Okay. Favorite hike spot? Well, both Bothe and Moore Creek Park get hiked at least twice a month. So those are the regular spots just because they're so close and convenient. But Annadale, the Sea to Sky Trail out by Lake Jenner, Um, Mount Baldy at Sugarloaf is, you know, butt kicker. That's amazing. Skyline, you know, there's so many. It's one of the amazing benefits of living in Northern California. Absolutely. Is there, and you've kind of already talked a little bit about this, you've done some traveling, but is there a meaningful trip that you can tell us about? I would have to say that travel is probably my other hobby, and I love researching travel as well as restaurants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And just growing up, my godmother, when my folks moved back to Iowa to live in the United States. Um, My godparents moved back with them, but only for six months of the year. So I spent a lot of my childhood going back and forth. So I spent a lot of time in Germany and France, um, especially from my high school years on, uh, went to visit her at least once a year. But it also just spurred my general love for travel. So I mean, highlights, of course, are Rwanda, South Africa, Turkey, Malta, Japan. We were supposed to go to last year for my 45th birthday, but they were still closed because of COVID. So that's getting punted to next year. Italy is always a love. I mean, anywhere that makes wine is an easy one to go to. And Italy, what part of Italy? I love Italy. Oh my gosh. I think Italy is probably the only place we've been to more frequently than France. We've done the Amalfi Coast, Capri, Rome, Tuscany, Barolo numerous times. Love all of it. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic country. It is. Is there something people might be surprised to learn about you that you haven't already shared? Do you skydive? Do you rappel down mountains? Did you do something crazy as a child? One thing that I think always surprises people, my father, when I was young, was determined that his little 80-pound sweetheart was going to be able to protect herself. So I started with Taekwondo when I was in kindergarten and did that through college. So I do have a black belt in Taekwondo, which I think is probably surprising to many people. Do you remember all the moves? I can still pull a few out here and there. And now in my older years, um, I do kickbox at least three or four times a week. Oh, awesome. Although I don't do Taekwondo anymore. Well, that surprised me. Okay. (laughs) What are some of your favorite restaurants in the Napa Valley? 
Well, press has always been one of my favorites for mm-hmm. sure. Bistro Gentil was the first restaurant I ever ate at, and to this day is still one of my go-tos. I love that tomato soup with the puff pastry. That and the chocolate creme brulee were the first dishes I ever had in Napa. Yum, yum. Um, But now I'm definitely a fan of the salad Lyonnaise. It's hard to go there and not get that. But everything is amazing. Love Soul Bar also. Mm -hmm. Torque in Napa is fantastic. My heart still breaks that Miminashi is no longer. But yeah, there's so many great places. We're very lucky. We are. We're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. All right. You ready? Here we go. Lightning round. What is your all-time favorite pairing? Burgundy and duck. Okay. What kind of car do you drive? A Porsche Macan. What is your favorite city to visit again and again? Oh, Paris. Followed closely by New York. Who is your dream dinner guest? Ooh, that is a fantastic question. Alive or dead? Live or dead? Nelson Mandela. What's your favorite flower? Peach-throated daffodils. My great uncle hybridized one. That is to this day my favorite. And who is your wine hero? Well, I guess I'm going to go back to Heidi Barrett, who was the first female winemaker I met, who ran my first tasting group, who trusted me to babysit her daughters when they were in high school, and who was just such a trailblazer. Can't say enough amazing things about her. Yeah, she's fantastic. Just like you. Shotzi, you are a true delight. It's been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.